Good morning. Welcome to our podcast today. We are going to be talking about something that is near and dear to this educator's heart, and it's talking about how to create a dynamically active classroom. You may have already listened to our podcast about what dynamically active is versus engaged. So we know that the research tells us that dynamically active students are definitely learning more, they're learning better, they're applying what they're learning. But how do we take that knowledge and take that into our early childhood setting? So first of all, we need to know why do these students need to be dynamically engaged? Why do we need to change what we're doing? Well, the reason behind that is their early learning experiences are what is going to build their lifelong thinking skills. So one of the researchers that I found for this podcast had an amazing article, and the article is named The Roots of STEM Success. And of course, as we talk about creating this dynamically active classroom, you're going to hear me refer to STEM or STEAM or STREAM. Those words are uh, interchangeable if you add the right subject matter to it. And we have a podcast on that too if you're wanting more information on that. But this article on STEM success had some very interesting information that I think we have to apply here. It tells us that we are looking for activities in our early childhood classroom that number one, pique curiosity. We also want the children asking questions. They need to assess what they have and what they need, and they have to have the freedom to fail and try again. And that to me is so hard to see them not succeed, but to step back and show them by stepping back that I have faith in you, you can do it. So these are some ideas that we need to consider as we try to create this dynamically active classroom. We wanna be challenging the student's cognitive flexibility. And through that, we have to have activities that are going to challenge them to explore what causes what in the world around them. For example, we all know that a baby eventually learns if you drop a spoon, it's gonna hit the floor and they'll keep doing it over and over again. And we kind of think that they're playing us and they just want us to pick it up. But think about it. They, in their own way, are already starting to learn about gravity and the effects of gravity. So here are some things we can do in a classroom that challenges that cognitive flexibility. We can give an infant a toy, and it may be a toy that when they shake it, they discover it makes sound. How about magnetic items? My grandson loves to play with the little uh, wooden trains, and he has learned that they will stick together but there's some of them won't, and it's because he doesn't know this yet, but they he's using 
the poles differently. So they can already start learning that hmm, some magnets will attract while others repel. They're learning that at an early age. Also, the teacher needs to learn in their classroom environment, instead of always just answering the question, maybe we provide more materials for the child to explore so they can answer their own question. Let's say we have a water center out and one of the boats floats, another one doesn't, and they ask you why. We're so quick to answer that question for them, but let's let them learn on their own. So let's get some other items. Let's see what floats. Let's see what sinks. So we also need to vary our activities in these classrooms. So just a few ideas I jotted down for us today is um, things like rattles, blocks, balls, and ramps. Um, as children explore with those, as the teacher, we can encourage the children to um, work with them differently. For example, we might could say, oh, I wonder what would make that toy rattle softer. Oh, could you build that higher? I wonder what it would look like if I built it higher. Would I need to do something different? Or, wow, can you make that ball roll faster? And they begin to explore force, motion, all of those things that are so important to building a firm educational foundation. In one of our centers, we want children to be able to experiment with simple machines, such as kitchen tools. Now, they need to be age appropriate, of course, but they need to be able to explore things they see in their environment and how they work and what they're used for. And it may be a tool you bring isn't a tool they've seen at their home. Um, also things they would see in the home like doorknobs or latches. How about electrical switches that you can just buy at a home store where the child learns to flip it and you can say off, on, so they begin to discover what happens. As the students are manipulating these things, then you can explain to them how they work. Even scissors are a simple tool that of course you can have in a center. Um, as you have centers like uh, your dramatic play, you can build intriguing environments. It's not just about babies and um, kitchen and all of that, and those are all important. Please don't, don't take that statement wrong. But what if we did an intriguing environment like building a fort or a forest? Can you imagine where their imagination would take them? The other thing that we really have to do in a dynamically active preschool program is we've got to learn to say yes a lot more often. We have a tendency to say, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, don't put that pain on your skin. But we need to, and of course, we've got to keep them safe, but children need to feel free to explore and make mistakes in our classroom. So we've got to say yes a little bit more, even though there may be more of a mess for us to clean up later. Or better yet, they learned, uh-oh, 
Now we have a mess. What are we going to do to clean it up? In any early childhood program, block play is critical. And we're going to talk about this today and probably I'm going to mention it more than once. The thing about block play is it allows children to think mathematically as they build, they measure, they count, they explore shapes and patterns. In fact, research is showing that block play experiences at a young age support academic learning and achievement across all subject domains. We're not just talking engineers here, all learning domains. It also shows that children's math grades and overall achievement scores in junior high and high school improve dramatically because of block play in early childhood. That is important information to know. It also, not just math, not just science, but listen to this one. It also produces higher scores on language acquisition assessments. Now we need to think hard about that because we are living in a day and time where teachers are bombarded with state test assessments. And these, these state tests are showing our children are not getting there. My husband teaches on the college level and he says to me, honey, I don't understand. These children are coming to me with less and less math knowledge. They, they would rather just Google an answer and go on. So I kind of think back and think, did those kids play with blocks? I mean, was that an important part of their play? I don't know. It's really something to think about. We also, NACI reminds us that as we're developing this dynamically active classroom, and of course, NACI is the National Association for the Education of Young Children, they remind us that developmentally appropriate teaching practices must always guide the selection of any classroom materials, including technology and interactive media. This is not about, oh, that looks cute. Let me put that in, in my preschool classroom. Teachers, we have to look at its value. What is it challenging our students to do? Is it reaching one of their learning domains? All right. So let's talk briefly about what we call hot skills. You might hear a teacher say, oh, that's part that that's considered a hot skill. Well, hot is called higher order thinking skills. And we, we know a lot about Bloom's taxonomy and how we're always wanting to build and go up the pyramid and get our students thinking on a higher level. So just like we mentioned, blocks are a higher order thinking skill. All right, when we offer a variety of colored and shaped blocks, children can pattern, they can sequence, and this patterning and sequencing, it is the first step in coding. So as they build and create, they can create more complex patterns and sequences, and trust me, they can do it. They're not too young. They can pretend that they've created a secret code and their friend has to analyze the pattern and figure out the secret code. 
They can also use these blocks. They can design, they can draw, they can build. But as they create, please remember that they might also need yarn. Um, I'm thinking the chenille rods, the pipe cleaners. They may need clay. So you need to have all of those things available to them as they explore and create. Also during this process, they're learning words, directional words such as right, left, up, down, under. In our learning environment, we also wanna have read alouds available for the children. Again, yes, there is a time to just enjoy reading, but we can also have purpose. Um, when we're doing read-alouds, if the children seem to have been focused a lot on patterns, maybe they can look for the patterns in a book. Maybe the book's about counting. It's never too early to teach the children how to predict what will happen next. I can tell you, I live in the state of Texas, and the STAR assessment has a lot of prediction on it. And the children always have a tendency to really struggle with that. So let's start early having them predict what's gonna happen. They also need to allow time or have time allowed for storytelling. They can collaborate. They can use technology and video their story. All right, as a teacher, even at the age of three, I can be teaching them what the beginning, the middle, and the end is, or directional or sequential words. So as, as we've talked about in other podcasts, research is showing some real positive resu results from the STEM classroom. And if you haven't heard our earlier podcast, STEM is where you're using, um, you're really teaching cross-curricular. You're using science, technology, engineering, and math. In our district, we have added to that, and we are now considered STREAM. So STREAM in our district means science, technology, reading and writing, engineering, the arts, and mathematics. So we are really trying to cover all those educational domains. And in this classroom, we are using what we call a design process. This design process can be used at any level. And I challenge you, if you want a dynamically active classroom, to use this design process in your early childhood classes. So the design process, the first step is asking. We always want the children identifying problems and solutions. The next one is where they're imagining, they're brainstorming, all right? They're brainstorming, they're thinking through, they're planning a solution. The next step is creating, 